What does it mean to grow a compassionate uh, life? Uh, really, we could say it this way. What is a, a life that uh, loves our neighbors and is uh, shows justice to all people? What does that, that look like? And I think during these trying times, uh, more than ever, is what does it look like to love our neighbor well? And when you look at the life of Jesus, it's very evident very quickly that he was a man of compassion. Uh, the way he healed, the way he cared for people, the way he spent time with, with outcasts and uh, didn't always spend time around the, the rich and the powerful. Actually, it was the opposite. It was those that were in need, those that were hurting. And Jesus was always near those kinds of people. And so so the, the, in the same way that Jesus has been compassionate to others, we are called to be compassionate to others because of what God is is like. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. Uh, from Matthew chapter 25. I'm just going to read a couple verses from uh, starting in verse 31 uh, about what does a, a compassionate life look like? What does a life of justice for all look like? Um, some have called this the social justice stream, and I, I know that can get a bad rap, um, and there can be a lot of misunderstanding of what that means, but really what we're talking about is a life of compassion, a life of justice, uh, a life of neighbor love. That, that's really all that it is. Um, and so we're going to look at that from Matthew 25, which is kind of a familiar text, but also a confusing text. Uh, many have uh, debated why it is uh, what it is and, and how to apply it and how to understand it. But I'm going to read it um, starting in verse 31, and then we'll, we'll look at it uh, for a few moments here uh, together. So Matthew 25, uh, verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and the angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do to the one, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And, and this is God's word for us uh, this morning. And, and so this is an, an interesting text because I think it's, it's, it's misunderstood in, in many uh, different ways is because in, in different camps and different circles of the, of the church, you know, some of us read these, these texts and we kind of minimize it. We say, well, it can't mean that God really expects us to do good deeds and do good works because we know our faith is built on grace and we know our faith is built on, on faith. And so it can't be God somehow judging us in the end uh, be, because we didn't do enough, enough things. 
And then there's, uh, so we kind of minimize it, but then there's another camp that, that would also, on the other side, say that it's all about good deeds, it's all about good works, and that God is pleased only when we're doing acts of mercy and acts of justice. And, and yet, I think Matthew 25 meets us somewhere in, in the middle that we don't want to minimize either sides uh, of the coin. And so, so as we look at, at the setup, kind of the, the context of, of this text, some would say, is it a parable? Is it not a parable? Um, but, but I would say from 31, you kind of get the, the idea of what's going on here in Jesus' teaching. And he says in 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Uh, so the, the context here, the setup here is, is not Jesus as a humble rabbi teacher on earth, but the time when the risen king, Jesus, will come and he will sit on the throne, as the text says, in all his glory, all his splendor, all his holiness, all his perfection, where he will come and all the nations, every tribe and tongue, every person, believer and non-believer, will stand before God in all his glory and he will enact a judgment day. He will separate separate out, as the text says, the, the sheep and uh, the goats. And so there's going to come a time and an end of human history, and, and God will sit on his throne in all his glory, and there will be uh, a judgment day. Now, now, right off the bat, when we think about the context of Matthew 25, right before this is the parable of the talents. And, and that's interesting because I think it helps us understand what's going on in this part of, of the text, is that it, it's a parable about what are we going to do with our lives? How are we going to use our resources, the time, the money, the opportunities that we have before, between, you could say, between the two advents, the coming of Christ in his life and his death and his resurrection and the return of Christ. So there's a sense of urgency here that God is gathering every tribe and tongue and nation to say, how are we going to live our lives in the meantime, are we going to live our lives in lives of compassion and service and love and trust in God, or are we going to live it uh, the, the opposite of that? And, and so, so there's a judgment coming from all, and so there's a sense of urgency in this, this text to say, well, what is my life? Is my life a life of compassion unto God? Is, is my life a, a, a life of, of love of neighbor, or, or isn't it? And so the separation happens. Uh, we, we see the, the sheeps and the goats. I know that always sounds, sounds odd to our modern, um, ears, but, but you know, in the first century, if you were a shepherd, the, the goats would, would often be in a different part in the evening because they, they had, they needed extra shelter because of their, their fur was thinner. Um, and so the goats were often separated from the sheep. Now the sheep loved to be out in the open air because they had a thicker coat of fur. And so, so Matthew here is using this, this imagery of a shepherd coming and separating out uh, sheep and goats. Um, and, and he gives us a little context of well, what's the basis on the, the separation. Well, the goats sit on the right side of the king, uh, and, and that's the, a place of power and a place of privilege. You're invited, uh, you could say, into the inner circle, where the goats are on the left. They're separated. It's, it's those that have, have received uh, Christ. Those that have received the kingdom of God are, are placed on the right, and those that haven't are placed um, on the left. But Matthew, interestingly enough, goes even a step further to show that the basis for the goats and the sheep is actually based on practical deeds and ways in which they've done good works or ways in which they haven't done good works. Did you, did you catch it in the, in the, in the text? He says in verse 34, then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
Why? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then, uh, the, and then, uh, the, which is very interesting about the response is he says in verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? It's like Matthew is almost preemptively going, I know how the response is going to go. Is that on the judgment day, there's going to be this judgment about how we lived our life. Did we live a life of compassion or not? But then all these sheep, the Christians, are going to go, well, Lord, I don't remember actually serving you. I don't remember actually seeing you. I don't remember actually clothing you or, or giving you a cup of cold water or visiting you. I, 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 don't, I don't really recall any of this happening. It's kind of an odd response. But then notice what the king says in verse 40. And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So in all these acts of kindness, all these acts of justice, actually what's happening is you're actually serving Christ in those moments. And even the sheep themselves are going, I I don't remember that happening. I guess it happened, but this is very odd to me. But obviously there was something going on in their lives that they were doing these good deeds and they were living lives of compassion. And as they were doing it, they were actually serving Christ. Now notice the familial language in it, in in verse 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So brothers, it could be translated sisters as well, has something to do with followers of Christ. There's there's an inner familial language here. There's So... Apparently, these Christians were helping other Christians, clothing them, taking care of them, providing for them in some some way. Now, the question always becomes, well, here's here's the great divide. Well, is this this text just about how much we help other Christians, or aren't we called to compassion for all people? Well, very obviously, we could go to Luke 10, and we could look at the the story of the Good Samaritan, and and this story is about neighbor love. It's about loving our neighbor wherever they're found. Uh, it's about meeting needs wherever they're found. So, so I don't think this, this text is saying really the judgment in our, in our call of compassion is only for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But, but the, the assumption is if we're a believer in Christ and we love God, we'll love our neighbor, which includes our brothers and sisters. That, 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 that first and foremost, we should take care of our church family. First and foremost, we should love them well because they're in our inner circle. They're part of our family. They're part of our community. But, but texts like Luke 10 and, and other texts in, in the New Testament would suggest that we're, to, we're called to love all people. We're called to even love our enemies and bless our enemies. So, so it's, the question, it really isn't about how can I look at this text and decide who am I going to help and who I'm not, who I'm not going to help. The question actually is about the what of compassion. Am I going to serve? Am I going to lay my life down for others? Am I going to meet needs? Am I going to love my neighbors? Because all of us are called to lives of compassion and justice. So, so the bar of discipleship for Jesus is included in my life with God. Is there a life of justice, of neighbor love, because of my faith and my discipleship with Jesus? Is it flowing into the same God, the Father who says, I am compassionate, now be compassionate to others. That same character, is that flowing through my life to say, wherever there is a need, wherever there's opportunity to help my brother or sister, help my neighbor, help my coworker, help my family member, I'm going to take every opportunity to live that kind of life. 
I love what, what C.S. Lewis says. He says, the, the rule for all of us is fairly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. I'll read that again. The rule for all of us is fairly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. So in Matthew 22, when Jesus was cornered by the religious leaders and they pinned him down and said, Rabbi, tell us, what is the summation of the law? What what does it mean to, how is all of scripture summed up? And he said very famously, Matthew 22, 37, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You could take the 613 commands of the Old Testament. You can break them down vertically, loving God, and horizontally, love your neighbor. And Jesus says, if you want to know what the whole Old Testament is about, you want to know what I'm about, you want to know what the whole Bible is about, it's loving God and loving our neighbor as yourself. So think about how much you care about yourself. Think about how much energy and time you take to make sure that your life is good and you're healthy <laughs> and, and, and you're, you're working out and you're eating the right foods and, and you're making sure your family's taken care of or whatever it may be. Now take that same energy and say, if I'm loving my neighbor as myself, I should have that mu- much concern for those around me as much concern as I have for myself. That flowing from our love of God is always a love of neighbor. You can't separate the two. That even John in, in his letter would say, if, if we say we love God but don't love our neighbor, maybe the love of God's not in us. Now, as we continue to move through our text, notice the response to the goats, the king to the goats in verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then there also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is very, very interesting uh, response here because really there, there's no middle ground. The, the goats can't hide with the sheep. <laughs> Jesus is making it very clear that, that, that the sin here is not active evil. It's actually the lack of mercy, the lack of good, the lack of justice. He's indicting them for not doing good. He's saying, he's saying, you didn't clothe me. You didn't feed me. You didn't come to my aid. So when you didn't do that, you weren't serving the least of me, the, these. You weren't serving me. So very interesting here. Now, again, this is where it gets a little tricky. You know, is, is Jesus teaching works here? Is he teaching merit? Is he teaching our faith is built on acts of kindness, acts of compassion? It seems kind of confusing. Now, notice here, though, a particular word that Matthew uses in 44. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Now, only believers really call Jesus Lord. What is Jesus saying here? Could he be saying that actually the salvation that is here is actually fake? It's not real because there's no acts of kindness. There's no acts of compassion. If, he's, if they're using insider language, Lord, maybe he's saying, hey, all of you that, that say you're believers and say you follow me, if you don't have any neighbor love in your heart and any compassion in your heart and you're not helping anyone or serving anyone, maybe your salvation isn't real in the first place. 
And I think that's what he's, what he's getting at. Now here, don't, don't call me a heretic and, and don't you know, throw me out of the church just yet. Salvation and discipleship with Jesus is always built on grace and faith. We'd have to throw out half the New Testament. We're not saying it's not built on that. It's Christ's work on our behalf. That's where salvation begins. It's what Jesus did by his life and his death and his resurrection and trusting in that work. That's the, the solid foundation of our, our lives. His righteousness becomes our own by faith. That, those are beautiful teachings of the scriptures, beautiful teachings of, of theology that we hang on to and we grab onto. But because of trusting in this Christ, because of the work of the Spirit in our lives, there should be spiritual fruit coming out of this faith. There's a source of this faith, Jesus Christ trusting in him and his obedience and his life and his death, yes. But coming out of our lives has to be lives of compassion and justice and neighbor love. You can't love God and not love your neighbor. Loving our neighbor is a fruit of loving God. They go hand in hand. And so I think what Jesus is teaching us is that these two groups of people, the, the sheep and the goats and, and the judgment day that's coming for all is to say that the obvious fruit from a true, genuine faith in Christ is always going to lead to justice and compassion and lives of love. That on judgment day, the, 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 the reality is that if we're trusting in Christ, compassion is always going to be close behind. So let's Let's take that a little bit further and let's, let's make this a little, as practical as, as we can because, because I think in the examples given here of what I would call mercy ministry in this parable, if you want to call it a parable that, about, you know, feeding and clothing and visiting people in prison, I think sometimes we take that as an exhaustive list. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. I, I don't think what Jesus is saying is, is have a checklist and let's see, are you clothing people? Are you visiting people in prison? And if you're not, well, on judgment day, it's going to get really dark. I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think what he's saying is actually the bar is really low. <laughs> he's actually saying that you don't need to have money or influence or power or education to do acts of mercy and acts of compassion. Uh, wherever there is need, does someone need a cup of cold water? Does, does somebody need to be visited in prison? Does an elderly person need to be encouraged? Does, does a family member need to be cared for? There's a million different ways in which we can love our neighbors and show justice to other people. And I think that's why when the sheep were confused about, hey, Jesus, we don't really remember actually serving you, is because I think we're doing these kinds of things all the time and we just don't recognize that we're actually serving Jesus as we're doing it. And so, so as we help uh, the elderly woman that lives in our neighborhood get to the doctor's appointment, we're actually serving Jesus. And so, so I don't want to, you to have this checklist mentality of, am I doing enough? And, and you know, did I do enough today? And, you know, it's gonna, what's going to happen on Judgment Day? You know, all those kinds of things. Is I want us to think about, instead, about three arenas where we can do this kind of compassionate living and, and neighbor love and justice for all. And then I want to think about a couple practices that we can kind of implement into our lives and make this really uh, practical as much as we, we can. So, so, so rather than checklists, let's think about the three arenas in which you and I live. So the first one is, is the personal arena. Is first, we need to deal with our own hearts when it comes to compassion and justice and neighbor love. Is that 
in all of us, and I'm going to be very blunt here, is that in all of us, there are seeds of racism. There are seeds of favoritism. There are seeds of greed that you and I need to deal with in our own hearts. Because sometimes this is why we don't do the good deeds that God has called us to do. This is why we, 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 we make spiritual excuses of why we can't love our neighbor. Um, but we have to deal with our inner life, our inner soul. That's why I love this series because we've been talking about what does it look like to develop a prayer life? Because I think as you develop a prayer life, you're going to develop a, a more loving posture towards God. And as you develop a more loving posture towards God, you're going to live a more virtuous life. And as you develop more of a virtuous life, you're going to uh, li- live a, a, a life of justice and uh, com- compassion. As you get near the God of compassion, compassion has to flow from your life. It has to, because we're being made into the image of Christ, conformed to the image of Christ, who reflects the Father. And the Father is, is full of compassion and grace and mercy. So I think the first arena we have to deal with is our own, the, our own personal life, our own personal soul. What are things that, that keep us from loving our neighbors well? Are there biases? Are there, are there things that we're just not dealing with? And we've, we've kind of made some spiritual, uh, done some spiritual gymnastics to say, that's not me. I don't need to do that. That's someone else's work. So personal. Second, real simple, is just the social reality, the social arena. Family, friends, neighbors, church family, coworkers, community, the place where I live. Where can I show compassion in the place where I live? In my own family. That's a great place to start with my own family members, with my neighbors, with my coworkers, with my friends at school. Where can I live out a compassionate life? Where are needs that I can meet right in my little inner circle of influence, right in the places I live and dwell? What could that, that look like? Um, and again, this doesn't need to be complicated. I think, I think first, usually when we think of lives of compassion and justice, we go to the high level, right? It's like we got to change structures and we got to change politics and we got to change organizations and, and all that right where you live. I would say start with your own family and then open the door and walk out the front door and look around and say, what neighbor can I help? What neighbor can I serve? Third, a little higher level. And I think we all, as we deal with our personal life, our own biases, our own soul, our own lack of compassion, we start looking at our relationships that are right in front of us. But then we can deal with some societal structures and institutions, some places where we see a lack of compassion and justice for our neighbors. That maybe, maybe we have some, uh, some gifts or influence that we can speak into some of those higher level places where, where our structures are broken, where people are broken, um, that are beyond our immediate area of influence. And there's a lot of great, um, organizations and things going on that we can, we can be part of. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but where can I show justice for all people, compassion for all people? I don't think it's just on the individual. I think there's also a, a, a structural, b- broader level that you and I can engage in on different levels. Now, this brings us to just a couple practices because I think these kind of feed into these three arenas, the personal, the social, the societal. Is One is... First, just a daily openness and humility to use, be used by God. I think every day, if you want to develop and grow a compassionate life, it's just an openness before God to say, God, today, show me where I can serve you. Show me where someone needs a cold cup of water. Show me where someone needs to be visited. Show me where the sick are, where I can offer an encouraging word or help them. And I think in this time of coronavirus, we're going to have so many opportunities. It'll be unlimited in ways in which we can show compassion and love towards our neighbors. But it begins with just a posture of openness, just daily openness. God, here I am. 
show me, keep my spiritual antennas up um, where I can love my neighbor well, whatever that may, may look like. Second, I, I would say we need to get facts and become a global Christian. And what I mean by that is we need to consider what is going on locally and what is going on globally is, is get good information of where are people suffering? Where are people struggling? Right here in our, our community, we, we've uh, been amazed at just right here in Johnson County how much sex trafficking happens uh, in, in our midst. And it's, it's one of the, the hotbeds of the entire nation, maybe even the entire, entire world. And we didn't know that uh, moving here or living here until recent. But getting those facts and going, man, what, what is going on? How, how can I maybe help in that? Um, looking globally, what are things going on globally that we can participate in, we can pray for, we can offer gifts and service and money to, towards, but, but become global Christians. Be concerned more about just our own little lives, but be thinking about what, how we can get involved locally and, and globally. Third, I, I would say be a person of hospitality. How can I just open up my life, my home, my table, to be a person of hospitality. And what I want to encourage you is to say, don't just think of hospitality as people that are like me and people that think like me and are in the same socioeconomic standing as me, but how can I open up my table to people that can't give me anything back? People that, that maybe are being overlooked, people that maybe don't have means or money or resources, people that Jesus talks about all the time. What good is it to love people that are like you? What about loving people that can't give you anything in return? So, how can my life, how can my table literally or figuratively be a hospitable place? To begin growing in compassion, we have to get near maybe people that aren't like us or, or different than us or where we feel uncomfortable. And God will use that to, to soften us uh, to, to the realities of, of how we love our, our neighbors. I think a fourth one would just be very simply give money or volunteer in organizations. Um, that might be your local church. That might be a Christian ministry. It may be outside the, the church. But there's so many good things going on in our cities, in our neighborhoods, uh, and around us that, that they would love to have more volunteers. They would love to have more money. We know how that is as a nonprofit. Uh, but, but there are, are so many things you can get involved at New City Church uh, that we're championing and we're, we're getting people encouraged to, to be part of. Uh, and there's p- things going on all the time that you can be, be a part of. Um, if you're, you're willing and able. Fifth, I would say use your gifts for those in need. And this is broad. Gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts of money, gifts of talent, gifts of ability. It, you know, if, you, if you're an artist, what would it look like to, to write songs uh, about justice or compassion or, or, or write about uh, needs in our community or, or, or write books or whatever it may be, blog about it. I mean, wh- whatever it is, if you're an engineer or you're a teacher or you're a homemaker, what would it look like to use your gifts uh, to, 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 to show uh, a compassionate life, to love our neighbors well? We all have different gifts and abilities. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be educated to, for God to use us in, in a million ways. I think it just takes some creativity just to slow down and to go, yeah, what are some things I can use in my life to help other people? What skills do I have? What gifts do I, I have uh, to, to, to champion the cause um, of justice? I, I know of a guy who, who's an accountant, and he does free tax taxes for, for those with lower income because he's good at accounting, and he says, this is my gift to the broader community. So, so maybe you can, can figure out something that, that you could use your gifts or talents for. And so as we get to the end of, of this, this message, I, I just want to a- encourage uh, you, when we think about a compassionate life, um, the, the model, the, the example the, the, is not you or I. 
it's looking at Christ Jesus, the one who truly was compassionate. I, I love what, what Philippians uh, chapter 2 uh, says it, 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 it talks about Jesus being this, this suffering servant who, who took on flesh, who came in, into human existence. Um, and he, he says that have this mind among you in Philippians 2, 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' posture of compassion was a posture of service. A servant leader who laid his life down for the benefit of others. Jesus died for us his enemies as a servant. And as we contemplate that, as we get near that, as we believe in that, as we trust that, as we walk and as we look to Christ, our lives should be filled with the same kind of compassion and same kinds of service that Jesus calls us to. Because he was compassionate when we were not. He loved us when we were his enemies. He laid his life down for those that said, no, thank you. And yet we're called to that same kind of love, even loving people that don't love us in return. Our Father is compassionate and we're called to be compassionate as well. And so I, I don't know where you're at in all of this. And, and, and my hope is that, that you are looking to Christ ultimately to be the, 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 the model, the, the, the path forward to show kind of what a compassionate life looks like. And that's how you live that out is you keep looking to Jesus. You keep trusting in him that he is working through you and in and, in and through you uh, in a million uh, different, different ways. And, um, and, and so uh, as we get near him, our, um, our compassion will grow. As we think about how good God is in the gospels, this gospel of grace towards enemies that didn't deserve it, that it's all of God's work, that that would soften us to love our neighbors um, well. Well, Joe's going to uh, come up and, and lead us in some songs. I'm just going to uh, close us in prayer. And, uh, and thank you for being patient with us and the, the technical snafu here. Um, but let, let me pray for us, and uh, we'll continue to worship together. Father, Thank you for Jesus who shows us what a compassionate life looks like. The one who spent time with those that would uh, be considered social outcasts, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and the lowest of the low. Yet he modeled for us and showed for us what, what a life of love of neighbor looks like. What a life of justice looks like. And so, God, I just ask very humbly and very graciously that you would give all of us, wherever we are this morning, larger, expanded hearts and lives of compassion and love for our neighbors. That as we get nearer you, as we consider more of who you are, that flowing from those realities, flowing from your love would be lives of love towards our neighbors. And Lord, we know with all that's happening with coronavirus and in all of our communities, God, that the opportunities that Jesus talked about, about clothing the naked and helping the sick and visiting the prisoner are going to be off the charts. So keep us open, keep us attuned to that where we can do our part and show compassion and justice to our 
neighbors in our church families and also in our communities and wherever you take us. So help us, oh God. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.